The clip I want to show you today is from a young man in North End. Next week's clip is going to be of a young man from Jeffreys Bay. And this young man uh, also happens to be one of the faces you will see in the parking lot. The story he's going to share is a remarkable story of how God has restored somebody from a very broken place to a, a very fulfilled and free place. I was uh, um, blown away by his terminology and his conversation and his eagerness for Jesus. He's going to introduce us to the topic of the morning, and that is how grace doesn't only get us out of something or set us free from something. The power of grace is that the Lord takes us to something or leads us into something, or cultivates something new in us. It is not only the putting away of the old or the crucifying of, of the sinful nature. It is coming to life in newness and born again as a new creation with a new purpose, a new direction, and a new destiny. And today, my conversation with you will be, let grace take you to the finish line, not just to the starting line. That's the key. Is that amen? Uh, this is a six-minute clip on Johannes from our parking lot. Have a listen. Now that my smile is back uh, to cover up the past that I had, I've, at the age of eight, when I went to the children's home, I thought, my life's over, my family doesn't want me, so I uh, resulted in drugs and alcohol abuse as a youngster. I went as far as heroin. I lost a friend from my childhood due to heroin and carrying him to hospital was the wake up call that I had to not even go back for my stuff, but leave it there. Did you? Did you? My friend was declared dead on arrival at hospital and I said no more because he used my needle, which I, that day, I wanted an extra dose. So mine was stronger than his, and he mainstreamed straight. So my needle killed him, which was the wake-up call to say, that's not my life. Not so much as heroin and old, but took. I used at least four a day just to get over my self-pity and feel good about myself. If I knew back then the damage I'm causing, not just to the teeth, but the body self. I mean, sometimes I, uh, know when you have a abscess in your mouth, you know about it. Yeah. I, I didn't even know when I went back to the dentist to get the fork in front pulled, She's like, did you hurt yourself in your mouth? I'm like, no. It's the gum. Some places are dead because of the drugs. At Worcester is one of my neighbors. Same time that I was gonna go show face at church, because that's how I was, who I was. Oh, where are you off to? Now I'm going to church, long story small. She then invited me to Father's house. 
me saying, I'm not going to your father's house, I'm going to church. Yes, but it is a church. I'm like, come again? Since when is there a father's house church? That name caught you off guard a bit. Yeah, I mean, I thought I'm going for lunch with her now. Meantime, she invited me to church. Left side of the stage, last row from the moms and babies section, third chair in. That was my first seat. And like Lloyd and whoever asked me, how do you find church? I just want to move in. It's been home since day one. You still sit on that side, whenever I look at Every now and then I'm on that side because that's where I stand for worship. Yeah, you like to come and stand. In fact, I remember you with a beard. Yes. And all of that, standing there by the communion. Yes. And dancing and worshiping. Yes, that's in in church. That is my my holy of holies. That's your your spot. Session, yeah. What what do you you get out of being in the parking lot, Jonas? It's just that, you know, I know some of us wake up grumpy and you're not really less for the day and all that. So for me to be out there and giving people a smile or just a wave, it it warms myself because I now can give someone else a greeting, though not in person, just a wave like that. Yeah, I mean, for instance, the past Sunday, I just the inner child, I had the sticker on the earring, and that got everyone. Laughing and joyous and Was that the that Yes, the one star that fell so I plucked it on myself. And yeah, it's just that environment out there amongst ourselves within the parking service. We've built like a little group that if one's not there or not able to come self, the other one will go in. It's like a little family out yeah, there. It's, before Young Guns got moved into the warehouse, we used to sit in between the services, ready to jump and serve the in and out of the second service Amazing. back then. Yeah. This used to be our little headquarters, basically, in between. You said something I found interesting. You said um, you didn't want to be paid to serve. No. Even though you, at the time and, and Still today, things are tough. You were telling me earlier you're on short time at the moment, you're about to get into full-time work, but even though you could use the money? Yes. You didn't want to be paid? No, I've I've got, because I was in a children's home since the age of eight, I've been from home to home, to shelter, now at Vistras. All of those places are non-profits. I've been helped all my life. So why must I accept payment for me helping you? I'm serving now the way I do because I've been served all my life. Now, why must I still ask for a paycheck on top of it? That's an amazing thing. It's... What, and also, I know my pocket might not be deep enough to cover what I need, but the Lord always covers. Why must I worry about tomorrow if He's already there? So that is my 
why I didn't want to accept a payment for service. I tried to cry out um, before the service. Um, we were all uh, filming that moment, and we just thought, is he saying that? And I thought, um, the staff fell and he plucked it on himself, is about the best summary of his life. Um, a few months ago, I, I said to some of the, the men at a men's group, how about we help him get a new pair of teeth? And they said, you know what? We were talking about that the other day. And I came to church and somebody here from the front row said, you know what? I've I got somebody who wants to put some, a couple of grand to, can't we help this man in the parking lot who serves so wonderfully and get him, get him a, a better smile? And, um, and then we spoke to some dentists in the church and they said, well, we'll, we'll do all the parts that the state allows us to do and then we'll throw in our time and we'll do it. And so Johannes is halfway there in having all the old and broken and damaged teeth extracted and being given a new permanent um, set of, of teeth uh, through the generosity of people in the church. And it's a remarkable story, uh, as all of these stories are proving to be. Um, and I think Johannes is here at the end of the service. I'm going to pray for him. Um, it's a remarkable story for a few reasons. Uh, one of them is that uh, sometimes we don't know all that the Lord has done in a crowd. And sometimes we don't recognize that somewhere in the crowds are, are people who have wrestled with demons or apprehended the Lord and they have moved the spiritual climate of their lives from death to life through Jesus Christ. Today, I want to teach you out of this uh, journey on grace, the idea that all of us are obligated or servants, or to use a really Old Testament, I beg your pardon, New King James word, hectic word, we're all slaves in some kind of way. What the gospel encourages us to do is to choose our master. Now, you might not immediately want to admit to yourself that you're a slave of some kind, but we all are servants obligated or slaves in some kind of way. Maybe you're a slave to terminology like, it's how I'm wired. Maybe that's the master in your life. Maybe a master in your life is the idea that it's my personality. And that becomes the defining characteristic. Or maybe things like your passions are, are your, your master. Or your pain or or, or forming part of a certain group of people. That defines you. Maybe we'll end up saying things like, I can't help it. And that defines the leadership role in our lives. Something outside of ourselves is leading us. And most people, are, you know, maybe even your budget is leading you. Johannes full on said to me, um, a few years before he got to Father's house, he was involved in a church somewhere and they offered to pay him to serve and he said, please, when he got here, uh, when he, please don't offer to pay me to serve. That's not why, that's not why I do what I do for the Lord. We all have leadership over our lives in some kind of way. What the gospel invites us to do is to make Jesus 
the Lord. So that we are servants of the Lord or obligated to the Lord. And in one place in the Bible, it literally says slaves to righteousness. Let me tell you what that word means. You know, um, maybe two years ago, I would have eaten one of these before the service. I would have. I would have said to myself, I really just can't help it. I'm very hungry and I need the energy. Now I'm on this intermittent fasting thing. You know, I have a goal, uh, you know, to, to get a six pack. And, and I'm not sure what your laughing means. I'm not sure. Just for that, I'm preaching five minutes longer now. Punishment. Um, here's the point I want to make. Uh, when you are not saved, you can't help it but to be a certain kind of way. But now that I'm saved, I can't help it but to be another kind of way. I am now under the Lordship of Jesus, obligated to Him. That when I see somebody in need, I feel an obligation to do something about it because I'm wired that way now. The righteousness of God kicks in and replaces the unrighteousness of my former self. And just as I couldn't help certain things before, I can't help it now. In that second or third song of worship here in North End, um, is it the third one? Let me just get it. Oh, it's the third one, right? And it's a Maverick City one or a... Yeah, it's a what? Maverick City one? Um, about the shepherd. Vince will update me later. He's like, you always mess up these songs. When you, um, but standing in worship, getting ready to preach, and the tears came and the hands went up. Do you know why? I'm wired that way. It's now in my personality. You see, as in my personality before and my wiring before and my uh, nature before I was a slave to selfishness or a slave to anger or a slave to frustration or a slave to indifference. I am now a servant slave to the spirit of righteousness, freedom, liberty, and grace. It's not hard for me to live this life. It's hard for me to try not to. That's harder. It's harder for me to try to be saved and act unsaved. It feels very uncomfortable. The Spirit of God keeps reminding me, you're better than that. The story I want to take you to in the Bible today is from Luke chapter 5. It's the story about how Peter became a Christian. And I want to uh, uh, take you through those three steps that are still necessary for each of us to make the most of our Christian journey because Peter expresses it in his salvation. So, so I'll read you the 10 verses that tell the story. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake at Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge uh, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into uh, one of the boats belonging to Simon, uh, Simon Peter, just historical, Simon Peter, and said to him, put out a little uh, from the shore. And then he sat and he taught the people uh, from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, uh, uh, put out into deep waters, let's go a little further deep, let's uh, let down the nets for a catch. Simon said, look, master, uh, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled uh, uh, both boats so full that they began to sink. And then Simon Peter, first time we see Peter in the story. So far it's just Simon. But now faced with the goodness of God, Simon finds his inner 
new man, Peter, saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. It's an amazing story for a number of reasons. It's an amazing story because it teaches us the steps probably we all took um, to, to finding our, our salvation and redemption in Jesus. And it's the steps we must keep taking. The first idea I want to remind you of from this passage of Scripture is that crowds are important. Crowds are important. I'm praying for bigger and bigger crowds in church, everywhere, in Cape Town, in Jeffreys Bay, in Kericha, in George. I have to say the city of George because it's weird. In George, in Toti, every online, get bigger. Kingfisher, get bigger. Let me tell you why crowds are important. Why did the church start in Acts chapter 2 and 3,000 people got saved? Why? Because you need to create a place where somebody who doesn't know what they're doing can come and stand in a crowd and their lack of faith will be substituted by your abundance of faith and without you knowing it, you're holding somebody up this morning in your song of worship. Somebody who... Somebody who can't sing has you singing for them. Somebody who doesn't feel safe amongst Christians can stand in a crowd of Christians and feel at home before they are a Christian. You see, we have to come to terms with the fact that people must feel at home before the Lord before they are one of the Lord's children. They must feel comfortable then. Don't be double-faced and be super friendly when they become a Christian, but then when they're not a Christian, super judgmental. No, for God's love came to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The genuineness of the Christian love is when we are in our worst condition, not when we've cleaned up to meet the standards of membership, but when we are here ready in any condition. Can you say amen to that? Crowds are important because there are people in the crowd that have no faith, have great fear, but there are others in the crowd who have an abundance of faith, who have compassion, who have love, who have eagerness. And Peter noticed the crowd. He thought, well, I don't know what's going on here. They just come fishing all night and they came out um, and saw a crowd of people. I pray, let me, may I be bold for a moment? Uh, I love online and I am so deeply grateful for online and for Kingfisher FM. And, um, you know, uh, over 5,000 people watched Sunday morning's message last Sunday after the service. Over 5,000 people watched it. Uh, That was Lucky's story. Uh, Incredible impact. Uh, And may that keep growing. But I want to, for a moment, just as your pastor, if I may be just a little bit, just, and then I'm going to go back behind here and just be normal. But... I am inviting, if you're in a city where we have a church, I am inviting you to come back into the crowd, not for you to carry somebody who's going to be here that needs somebody to carry them. Because it will change somebody's life. And it might change yours too. But the man with a story like mine gives me the faith that it can be my story too. We've got to keep telling the stories. I can't tell you how many people, I had a young, young man the other day saying, how, how, do you manage, how, do you, how, how do you manage being single? 
I said to them, the same way you manage being married, through prayer and fasting. <laughs> what about the criticism? How do you handle the criticism? Oh, I get the criticism all the time. In fact, I get nervous when I don't get criticism. I start thinking, I'm too quiet. It's too quiet out there. I need to poke the bear somehow online. I need to do something. I need to provoke something. Let me tell you what happens. My story will be a testimony to somebody on a similar path. And your story, you see, I can look at somebody and say, shame, I understand how you feel when they're going through a life-threatening illness. But as much as I can say that, I need to put you in the room with somebody who is going through a life-threatening illness who can say to you, when I couldn't even get out my wheelchair to worship, I, I went to church and I sat in my wheelchair and I sang those songs and God came through for me. And let the faith of the person who's received it transfer to the encouragement of the person who needs it. We need to be in the room and we need to be in a crowd and we need the crowd to tell its story because its story is activating faith everywhere. I, I want to I encourage you that Peter's first step is to recognize why should so many people be following Jesus? You and I need to remember how many lives he's changed, keeps changing every day. The second thing about the story is this, the stories and the crowd is this. People follow Jesus because he is a good God and he does good things and has a good plan. Do you know what impressed Peter? He was a religious man who didn't take anything from him and cost him something. Not impressed, Peter? Hey, Peter, thank you so much for your boat. Did you catch anything last night? Nah, it's a tough night. I'll tell you what. Because you made some space for me. Let's just go back into the water. Let me pay my hiring fee for the boat today. And when you're done in my relationship with you, you will be better off in every way in your life than you were before you met me. I'm not just a time occupier, an inconvenience and a bother. I'm going to fill your bags to overflowing if you'll just make space. And so if the first uh, step is the hearing of the stories of the work of God in people's lives, in our lives, in this day and age, not just, not just in time past. Then the second uh, step to, to, to living this life of grace and faith is to make space for Jesus on the boat. Do you know, I wish uh, I was told earlier in my Christian journey that I will grow into it. I don't have to try to get it right from the beginning. I was so afraid in my early Christian journey that I'd get it wrong. Of course, I lived in a punishment-driven world. So that meant if you got it wrong, God would punish you and then that would fix you and you'd get it right again. And I lived in this constant fear that God was going to punish me. Uh, God, God is not punishing you towards behavioral change because that is sin management. God is setting you free from the things that ensnare you so you can live a better life. That's restoration and redemption. Christians need to get out of sin management. 
Do you know, sin management is a problem uh, for a number of reasons. What do you do with somebody who can't control themselves and do things that are harmful to others or themselves and contrary to what is considered right or fair? What do you do with them? You put them in prison. You put them in prison because you say, since you can't control, control yourself, we'll control you. Sin is your master. It puts you in a prison. It seeks to control you. And you land up saying, I can't help it. But I'm telling you, Jesus came to set the captives free and to open prison doors. Not so that we can behave badly, but so that we can walk out of that prison and say, I am no longer the person who wants to do that. I now can't help myself. I want to be righteous. It's naturally coming out of me. So this is what Jesus says to Peter. Have you got some space on your boat? I wonder if Peter thought, you're a carpenter. Mustn't you stay on land? Just <laughs> coming with advice, go deeper, cast the net on the right side, on the left side. Do I come to your workshop and give you advice how to cut the wood? But here's your next step. Make space in your boat for Jesus. You're not all the way there yet, but you're on your way there. You're on your way because you started picking up faith by hearing other people's stories of grace. You're on your way now when you make space for Him. You know, being here today in church, wherever you are, even online or on radio, wherever, watching this later than live, you're making space. You see, you made a bit of space in your, in your calendar, time. When you, when, when you uh, uh, start to introduce a biblical reading, even if it's one of those, you remember our daily bread? Any of you remember daily bread? It was a little book. Now it's not a book, it's a little app. It just pops up. I mean, it's really just a snack, you know? It's, it's a snack. It's a, it's a one verse, you know? It's, in, it's, it's sort of enough to, to, to nourish you, not enough to choke you. You know, it's just a snack. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I mean, there's another 24 verses still to go there, but we give you that one. You know what you're doing? You've made space in the boat. You start to engage with an acknowledgement that he's in my boat. Today, I want to invite you to make space for Jesus in your boat and allow him into the spaces of your life that you're not certain about. This is what will happen. God will be good and goodness will lead you to repentance. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Whenever I'm being selfish and I defend and justify my selfishness and get frustrated by other people provoking my selfishness, there is only one cure for that. That's when Jesus is in the boat and he loves you through your selfishness so that you get to the point where you have to learn to love somebody else because you have received love first. This is the gospel of grace. I don't give to get. I give because I have already received. I don't love to prove a point. I love because he first loved me. I don't walk righteous because I want to impress the Lord. The Lord has called me in my sinful nature. So I walk righteous because he's already accepted me. 
I have no fear that when I die, he will do a calculation and the calculation could be touch and go. I have no fear of that because the Lord already did the calculation, deemed me to be a sinner in need of salvation and then loved me out of my sin into my salvation. My worst day was on the day I got saved. It also was my best day. My worst day and my best day. You see, this is the remarkable thing about the story of the gospel of grace. Peter, who was suspicious, wondering about the crowd, at that the crowd, at that time just called Simon, lets Jesus in the boat, listens to the story. He's still not yet convinced, but then God is good to him. God is kind to him. Peter, you've had a long night and you were good to me. Let me, let me get you some fish in your boat. Call your partners. Let them see it. Actually, there's a funny little story there if you ever want to get technical. Jesus said, cast your nets into the water, plural. But the Bible says, but Simon cast a net. He's like, I'm not casting them all. I'm wasting my time here. I'm not calling my business partners here. Hey, guys, uh, uh, you know, this guy who walks on water is suggested what we do with our business. What we do is we do it like this. Simon, are you on something? So let's just us go and we'll do it. We'll prove the guy wrong. I'll cast a net. Jesus said, cast the nets. Do you know how many Christians still can't handle the blessing God has intended? So they still play small with the smallest action when God's saying, can we do this in plural, please? Can we do this big enough to make a substantial difference? Stop downsizing the dream. I'm in the boat. And eventually you have to call the partner and say, you guys better come help. You won't believe what's happening. The nets are tearing. The boats are sinking. It brings them to their third step to forsake and follow, to forsake and follow. Now, let me tell you what I was taught incorrectly in my view, and I have been in my early days teaching it incorrectly too. My early days, I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, in my, in my 30s. Nobody believes me anymore. I used, to, I used to try to get people from hearing about Jesus to forsaking and following in one step. It's not possible to do that. What you need is time with the Lord in your boat. You, you see, you, you need to walk with him and talk with him along life's narrow ways, to quote a hymn, to see the goodness and generosity. See, once you've seen goodness, forsaking and following is not difficult. Once you've seen the goodness of God, taste and see that the Lord is good. We can't expect people to do that from meeting, hearing about him and taking an action in one day. But I'll tell you, if you'll make space in the boat, and here's what I mean by that. No matter what's going on in your life, good or bad, no matter what's going on in your kids' lives, things you like or things you don't like, all you need to do is not encourage them to stop something. All you got to do is encourage them to keep space in their lives, their boats for Jesus. Now, let me tell you what the church does wrong a lot. Someone will come and say, do you know what? I, uh, I, I'm transgender. I'm, and please don't cut that out as a clip now. 
I'm warning you. I will pray all the punishment of the Old Testament I can find upon you and your computer. <laughs> Speaking of computers, I saw the, Michael, I think you would enjoy uh, this humor. Uh, I watched an interview of the architect who designed Apple's offices building his new house. And the interviewer rather uh, facetiously asked, why so many windows? I knew, I knew Mike would like it. He's going to use it in a sermon. And then you can, you can blame me. You know what the church does? The church then says, you, you think you might be trans. Well, you know, I'm sorry, that's against Jesus. That's against. And what we ask them to do is distance themselves from Jesus. The Bible calls for the opposite. If that's the boat you think you're in, would you make a little bit of space in that boat and keep Jesus in the boat? His goodness and kindness, His generosity, His love will lead you to the person God wants you to be. And I will leave the Lord with that responsibility. Mine will be to take Jesus to your boat. He will take the captaincy of your boat to where it needs to go. It is not my job or somebody else's job to steer your boat. Stop giving your boat's leadership over to a preacher or a YouTuber or some critic or whatever. All we got to do, get Jesus into people's boats and then watch him be the captain of the ship. That's where my confidence lies. Because I'll be honest, I've taken my boat to some places I shouldn't have myself. Some of you are like, we need a little bit more information. <laughs> Where did your boat go exactly? <laughs> Don't laugh. Some of you are exactly like Peter. You're so sick of your boat, you want to walk on water rather. Get back in the boat. <laughs> you need to make space. Then there comes this moment of surrender. You, you see, it's this journey of hearing the stories to build faith, making space for him in the boat, then surrendering. Romans 6 says, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Now I'm shifting the mastery over my life to someone else. And then finally, I, I said servant for number four. I wanted to say slave because that's what it says in the Bible verse. But I did find a translation that says servant. If you look long enough, you, you can find one. Because servant is so lovely. Like such a nice one. I'm a servant. I'm a humble servant of the Lord. Slave means ownership. Servant means contract. I don't have a contract with the Lord. I am under his ownership. There is a big difference, actually. So can we just use that word slave, but not in the ugly sense, just in the sense of ownership. I'll wrap up with a story. Uh, I might as well tell you a little Cyprus story, you know, just to, just to provoke. Um, when my grandparents were still alive, they kept goats and uh, pigeons. Those pigeons were edible. I mean, I, th I think they still are, but not, not, the, uh, not the raccoons with wings that we get here. I mean, <laughs> this is lovely little 
turtle doves and rabbits. I won't, tell, I won't tell you how the how the pigeons are prepared, but the rabbit was one of the most traumatizing experiences of my life. I was eight when I saw my grand do this. She went into the cage, pulled out a rabbit, hung it upside down, and karate chopped its head. And then she said, would you like to have this for supper? I'm like, hey, hey. Whatever Omar says we're having for supper is what we're having for supper. I don't know, my neck's also not very. But we kept, we kept, they kept all these animals and donkeys. And so one day she said, oh, come with me. I, I, I got to go visit a neighbor down the road. I got to take them some eggs. I said, sure, no problem. And we, we actually used the donkey and you, you sit sideways on it and trot along. People don't still do this. Um, and we got there and we got, and she apologized. She said, I'm very sorry um, about my goats. Here's your eggs. Uh, on the way home, I said, what's that all about? She said, no, you know, all of our goats, they, they have a marking, a branding on, so everyone knows whose they are. And mine got out and ate her vegetable patch, you see. So I owe her for the behavior of my goats. So I had to come pay my debt. And you're his. You are marked with the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And when you go make a mess somewhere, he pays the debt because everybody now knows that's my child. And this idea of carrying the marks, Paul takes it quite far. He says, stop criticizing me for not being an apostle. I bear on my body the marks of my apostleship. You see where I got beaten? That was for Jesus. You see where I was shipwrecked and I got the scar? That was for Jesus. Stop criticizing me for not being there at the beginning. I paid the price along the way. I've been marked with the confidence that I belong to Jesus Christ and, and he pays my debt for me. And at some point, what grace really does for us is to turn us into willing slaves of a loving master. But you should know that if you think that that's just bondage to religion, that you also are a slave, but to a sinful nature. Your master is unkind. Mine died for me. Your master would be happy to see you dead. But mine was only happy to die so that I might live. For the Bible says in Romans, scarcely for a righteous man, one might die. But he, for an unrighteous man, gladly died. That's the gospel. I want to wrap up our conversation this morning with a kind of challenge. How far are you on the journey? Are you still a story listener in a crowd? I mean, you're welcome. Keep coming. Come with any kind of history, baggage. I hope that for as long as this church 
opens its doors for worship, I hope that the thing we are criticized for is that they let just anybody in there. I hope that's what, I hope that's what they, what I want people to say is they just let anybody in there. That's what I'd like. Because there is somebody in the room with a story like yours, except theirs has already come into newness of life. And if you'll hear it, you'll pick up some faith and you'll come to the same saviour and you'll come to newness of life also. Or maybe you need to make some space on the boat. Stop trying to row it all on your own. Or maybe you need to surrender. Lord, I repent and I accept you. Or maybe you're at the forsaken follow stage. Leave some stuff. Leave some stuff. <laughs> That's enough of a sentence. Just leave it. Leave it alone. Leave the anger alone. Leave the thing alone. Leave the past alone. Leave the, the, the unethical behavior. Just leave it and follow. Follow Jesus in your business. Follow Jesus in your marriage. Follow Jesus in your career. Follow Jesus in your language. Just forsake something and follow. That's the key to new, to new uh, life. So could we stand and pray together? Would you, would you mind? I, I, I want to invite you to, um, to this moment of conversation around, uh, around staying together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much for, for the power of the gospel. We thank you so very much, Lord, that you have called us and led us. Are we okay? I'm sorry, just a moment, everybody. Somebody's fallen. Oh, we're all right. Okay. Father, we thank you that you've called us into the boat of faith. That you've called us to make space for you. Today, Lord, we pray that you'll teach us how to create an environment of trusting in you. Lord, we thank you for the joy of salvation that comes from being a servant of the Lord. You are a master worthy of following. We pray, Lord, that you'll teach us how to celebrate that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, would you give God a shout of praise, worship and adoration?